Wow. What a day already. And we're just getting started, right? There's nothing like seeing our children praying for people up here at this, this altar. There's nothing like seeing our, our, our kids just laying hands on and praying a prayer of faith and our, our students over here praying for each other and, and others. Man, God is moving. He is moving and he is here to change hearts and lives. If you already have experienced him, welcome again to Connections. We thank you all for being with us today. And, and if you would, get your Bibles out, turn over to the book of Mark chapter two, and uh, we're gonna be camping out there this morning. It's kind of funny, uh, my, my wife's out of town this weekend, and uh, I had my little guy, Devin, who's 10, uh, with me and, and brought him early. He's been great, and it, it was time to check him in to, uh, to Sunday school and to get into his class, and he went and checked himself in. He came back and brought me this sticker. I, I never do this, so she, she always takes care of that, and I was like, well, what's up with that? He said, here, Dad, you got to wear this. I was like, oh, okay, uh, well, well, that's good. He said, he said, no, you got to wear it because I was kind of putting it to the side and not wanting to put it on. He said, if you ever want me to come back home again, you've got to wear this sticker. I was like, yes, sir, I, I've got it on. I will not let this thing get out of my sight because, you know, at times maybe it's tempting not to have him back home for a little while, but overall, I really want him there. I, I love the little guy. So, I mean, you just got to love kids and, and what a great thing God is doing. And if you uh, have your handout, go Go ahead and get that out, a pen or pencil, something to take notes with. Man, we are kicking off a brand new study this morning. You're here on a good day, as every day is a good day to be at Connections. But today, we're starting a new series entitled Extreme. And how many of you remember, like me, the extreme movement that took place in the 90s? Any 90s people in here? Woohoo! Let me... See so your hands, there's a few of us in here, and, and, and that, that catchphrase got to be a, a very popular thing and spawned all kinds of graphics and, and shirts. How many of you remember all the neon colors that came with the extreme movement? You, you remember that? It had shirts, bumper stickers, hats, man, with all these neon yellows and pinks and greens, and it was, it was a thing back then. It even spawned a, a movement called the X Games that they still have today every year. So as we jump into the study entitled Extreme, We're kicking it off by talking about extreme faith, and there are many, many examples of of this all throughout the Bible and all throughout history and all throughout our day and time. God is still moving for those who will dare move in his faith, right? Who will dare to believe him, step out and do amazing things because of him showing up in in an incredible way. So that's kind of the, 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 the theme of the day. What kind of faith do each of us possess. Our hope and desire is that you would realize and understand how important faith is, number one, and the great need for operating in a faith that is beyond the ordinary. Would you write that down? God, give me a faith that is beyond the ordinary. I love the story of Amy Simple McPherson. I was a part of the Foursquare organization for about 20 years, and she's the one that founded that organization, and she wanted to build a home base in Los Angeles, California, and she dared, this is back in the 1920s, back when Don was still in his prime, and, and she dared back in the 1920s to have some big faith because she was going to have constructed the first dome building in, in America, the first domed roof building. It was going to be called Angelus Temple, which it was in Los Angeles, and, and so she had some money to get started, 
And that's all she had. She, she actually had contractors come out, had the plans drawn up. The contractors met with her and they, they walked through her vision, her dream and, and the plans that were drawn up and, and, and they looked at everything. They put, put the cost to everything and they came back and spoke to her about what they had come up with for what it was going to cost to build this building. And here's what I love. Uh, check this out. They told her, they said, ma'am, they said, you have enough money on hand right now to dig the hole that the foundation is going to go in. That's what you have. The cost of this structure compared to what you have in hand, you have enough money that we can dig the hole. How many of you know that's kind of deflating? (laughs) I mean, you're pumped up, you're revved up, you're ready to get this thing going. God's going to show up. And you know what she said back to the builders? She looked them in the eyes without any hesitation. She said, dig the hole, God will provide the rest. Man, that's the kind of, and and guess what? That building is still standing today. It was never delayed. It was always on time. God showed up and provided everything she needed to make that happen. That's the kind of extreme faith we're talking about. Now, the biblical definition of faith is is, is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where it simply says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And she lived that out in her life in many different ways, and that was one of them when she said, I don't see that thing there yet. I don't see the money in our bank account right now. We don't have the funds to build the entire building. But what I do see is that building built and God providing everything we need to make it happen. So we've got to be people of extreme faith, of radical faith, that will dare to believe God for the impossible. And that's what we're talking about today. That's what we're going to center our thoughts around. Mark chapter 2. The Bible tells us, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was, it was heard that he was in the house. How many of you know it's always a good thing when Jesus is in the house, like he is here today? Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Now, if you just want to stop and camp out here for a second with me, guess what? That's how this place needs to be every Sunday. It needs to be that people hear Jesus is in the house there at Connections. You don't want to miss it. You need to be telling your friends, your family members. You need to be telling everybody you can. Come and see Jesus. Experience what he can do in your life because that's what's happening here. There was no room to receive anybody else. Not even near the door, this verse tells us. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was so that when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Verse six. And some of the scribes are sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them out loud, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or say arise, take up your bed and walk. Verse 10, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately... 
the Bible says, he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, you got to love this. I mean, picture this in your mind. Jesus just healed a man who was paralyzed. And when this happened and he walked out, everyone made this statement. We never saw anything like this. Thank you, Jock. This is blowing us away. We've never seen anything like this ever before. Who can do this? I mean, think about this. Some 2,000 years ago, the, the medical technology is nowhere near what it is now. The doctors did the best they could. The, the people who tried to help people medically did the best they could. But nobody could do anything like we can do now. And even now, we really can't help someone who's paralyzed. My father was paralyzed for many, many years after a stroke. And I, I wish, like everything, something could have happened in his life to heal him of that. But this is what's going on. And when they saw him healed, everybody said to themselves, we've never seen this before. I love that. Listen to me this morning. I, I want to just give you seven quick things. I mean, there's a ton of lessons we can learn from these 12 verses, but I, I just want to send you away with 12 today that I hope and pray will do something in your life like it does in my, this is one of my favorite stories. I, I love this account of Jesus and what happened here. Happened here. And, and the first thing on your outline is simply this, something has to move the needle. I mean, something's got to move the needle. And what I mean by that is something's got to just explode in us to move us we've got to and you can put this down we've got to care that that's what what the bottom line is and it's there on your outline we have to care like these four friends did now you're talking about caring for somebody you're talking about loving somebody these four guys man they must have they must have been willing to give themselves for this friend who was paralyzed on this man. Something moved their needle and this kind of piggybacks on where we left off with Jonah's story last week at the conclusion of that study what we found out that was tragic in Jonah's life and his testimony is basically he didn't care about Nineveh. And God chastised him about that and said, Jonah, what is the deal here? Can you not understand how much I love people? I mean, you've heard that over and over and over again this morning, and I'm, I'm thankful that you've heard that because that is the message everybody needs to hear, that Jesus Christ loves us more than anybody or anything ever will. And right here, we see a love that goes... <laughs> as I've said before, above and beyond for a friend. Above and beyond. I love what the beginning of verse 5 says. It's very significant. When Jesus saw their faith, you see, because the Lord not only took notice of the faith of the paralyzed man, he also noticed the faith of his four friends. And I'm going to tell you this today. God honors the faith of those who assist in the salvation process. You ever thought of it like that? And I'm asking you this morning, how many of us are in the process of helping get people to Jesus, bottom line? That we understand the mentality, the calling, the commission on our lives, that we are to be people who move people closer to Jesus, to bring, him, to bring them to him, to see their lives dramatically transformed by him? I'm telling you, are we willing to go out of our way? Are we willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to do some things that, that not everybody else is doing just so we can move them one inch closer to Christ? Because that's exactly what we see here. Something moved the needle in their lives. And I'm telling you folks, they would not settle for anything less than getting their friend to where he needed to be. Don't forget that. Are we engaged right now actively in carrying a corner of a pallet 
that somebody's laying on who needs to get to Jesus. Can you picture that in your mind? It's like, like somebody would be laid out on this rug right here and, and four of us would grab a corner of this rug and we would pick it up and we would carry that thing to get that person who could not get themselves to Christ, to get them to him. I mean, that's what's going on here. Something moved their hearts to the point that they could not and would not be stopped. Second thing I want us to understand from this account is that problems present opportunity for faith in God to overcome. Picture this scene in your minds. The first year of Jesus' earthly ministry, ever since the Sermon on the Mount, he's been out preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons. And it seems that every time people know he's in an area, they swarm him. They literally mob him. It's hard for him to get a moment's rest or time to be alone and pray. And Jesus is sought to escape the crowds, and it would, would seem that he has returned to Capernaum to kind of seek some rest. But even here he can't escape. He can't get away from the crowds and get alone with his father. His, his one consolation in this gathering, in this house, here at least seems to be that the people have only heard to come, come to hear him preach. And not necessarily to come and say, heal me, heal me, heal me. And, that, and that's important. There's an account over in Luke chapter 8 that tells of a woman who had an illness, an issue of blood, and she feared to approach Jesus face to face, so she fought through a crowd at that point in time, and the Bible says she reached and touched the what? The hymn? Like the hymnal that you, you might get in a traditional church, that, that kind of hymn? The hymn of what? Of his garment. You know, back then they wore those cool robes, and I've kind of thought maybe we need to get back to that. They don't seem to be too restricting. You have a lot of freedom. You can eat a lot, and it, you know, it doesn't get real tight. I mean, that's a whole other sermon for another day. I'm going to go back to this one. But she pressed through the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment when everybody was pressing around him and, and, and glad-handing and patting him on the back and wanting to get close. And guess what? He stopped. He said, who touched me? And when he said that, he said, power. I felt power move out of my body. So understand this, Jesus was God in the flesh. He was God-man. Somehow that concoction of, of being divine and yet being human, it's, it's incredible, it's miraculous. So he could get drained, he could get tired. Remember in the garden before he went to be crucified, he was agonizing in prayer. And, and the Bible says he, his sweat was so, so intense it became his drops of blood. So here Jesus is in this house. He's thinking, man, I, I'm going to speak to these people. I'm going to preach and teach to these people a little bit. And, and nobody's coming. And yet he knew what was coming because the God side of him knew that. And so he's in this house. And, and maybe the, the paralyzed man had tried to get to Jesus before. Who, who knows? Maybe he had just missed him on, on an occasion or two just days before. And maybe he, he desperately thought, my, my chance is over with. I, I won't have another opportunity. But now Jesus comes back to his town and they know where he's at and, and they've rushed to the place where they've been told he's going to be. And, and from the way this man and his friends behave, I want you to get this this morning. You can feel the sense of urgency. You can almost sense the desperation. Write that word down somewhere on your outline. Desperation. Have you ever been that way about Jesus? Have you ever been so hungry and thirsty for righteousness that you just, nothing else would satisfy? You just had that burning, that longing desire. I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to be with Jesus. 
You ever been so caught up in the middle of a week and all kind of stuff's happening and all these demands are pulling on you at work and home and family and stress and ministry and everything else? You just say, man, I have got to push all that to the side and I've got to find that quiet place and I've got to get on my face and I've got to touch the throne room of God and be with Jesus. Now, if you haven't, you might want to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, that's not a 90 saying, that's like a 2005 saying, maybe it's a little outdated, you know. These people were desperate. They were hungry. They've got to see Jesus. Nothing less is going to do. They just can't risk Jesus getting away again. But the Bible tells us that such a crowd that you couldn't even get close to the house, nevertheless, get near the door. They sit down together and they begin to talk and, 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 and think and, and try to figure this thing out. And there's no room in the house. People are crowding the door and they're blocking the windows. So how else are we going to get in? They wonder. And then one of them comes up with this idea. Well, there's nobody up on the roof. Don't you love creative thinkers? I mean, for years we called it outside the box thinkers. I, I wonder if we could just dig a hole in the roof and then we could let him down in front of Jesus. And another friend kind of said, well, but, but here's the deal. We, we just can't drop him through the hole. I mean, that would be a little painful. You know, whoop, boop. Oh, wow. It's not the fall. It's that sudden stop, that landing that, that kind of hurts. So he says, well, what about this? A third friend pipes up and says, maybe, maybe if we had some ropes, we could maybe lower him down gently, as Mr. Jenkins liked to say. You got to turn that heat system on gently. I don't know. Is there a way to do that? I mean, I'll, mine just is a sw- switch. You, you, okay. So they come up with this great idea. They're going to lower him down with ropes. That's got to do it. So they go and dig up some ropes somewhere and come back. And number three, it's time for the bold and the beautiful. I say that. And I'm not talking about your stories, ladies, or some, some men in here. I hope not. Not only are they about to destroy the roof of someone else's home. Think about this. Not only are they about to disrupt a session being taught by Jesus, but they are about to barge into a meeting with some very important people of of the day and time. Can't lose my sticker. I've got to make sure that stays on here so I can get my son. I mean, all this is going on in in the matter of just a few moments. I I, I would think that it's just kind of a a, a split-second decision. And what a bold move it's going to be and, and how beautiful it is that these guys are willing to do this. And there's some dignitaries in there. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, that these are the religious leaders here from all over Galilee, as far off as Judea and Jerusalem. Some may have traveled as long as a couple of days to get there. And you may ask, why are these religious leaders there? Well, they want to know what this new teacher has to say. They want to know what his message is. They're trying to catch him in some, some lies and some, some things they, they don't agree with. It's a serious meeting with some serious people and the paralytic and his friends are about to barge in and crash the party. But you know, the paralytic's friends, they don't care. They don't care if they ruin the roof. They don't care if they upset the meeting and they don't care who's in the house with Jesus. All they care about is that they have a friend who is sick. Now here's where we got to get to in our, in our walk with Christ. We've got a friend who has a need. We've got somebody in our family who is sick. We've got somebody who's lost in their sins. We've got people around us who desperately need to get to Jesus. Maybe that's us. And we don't care if we have to march down to the front of the church and, and fall at the altar and cry out to Jesus in the middle of Pastor Robert's message or in the middle of our worship time as we call it or whatever. We just want to see Jesus. We've got to get to him. Period. That, that's the bottom line. So they push all that other stuff aside, and they come to this place, number four in your outline, where 
it's go time. Now they get up on the roof somehow, some way, with their paralyzed friends. Maybe they were doing a little crowd surfing like you do at concerts sometimes. Everybody tried that before, right? That's fun. No, I haven't either. I'm just kind of assuming it'd be interesting. And maybe the crowds get into it. Yeah, we got it. Where's the beach balls at? Let's, let's bounce them around. Let's crowd surf. Let's get, get these dudes over to the house. And they get up on the roof. But you know, there's this do or die time that you call it that we've, we've, we've talked about for years in our society. And, and they're up on the roof. They've got their friend. They've got the ropes. They've got the pallet. They've got everything they need. But do they have the faith? to go through with it. Well, if you weren't asleep about 10 minutes ago, you know they did because you heard us read through the, the passage of Scripture here. They, they went for it. They made it happen. And can you imagine what's going on at this point in time? I mean, Jesus is in the house and he's sitting there teaching and, and speaking to these people and they're, they're soaking it in. I'm sure there was, was, was just silence as, as he spoke and, and you could probably hear a pin drop outside of his voice. And then all of a sudden, stuff starts falling from the roof and you hear these noises up there and stuff's being peeled away. And, and I'm assuming everybody just kind of stopped. I was thinking, okay, what's, uh, what's, what's going on here? This is, and Jesus is just sitting, he knows and all of a sudden, in the midst of stuff falling on people's heads, you know, that, that's not neat. I mean, people are probably just scooting out of the way going, okay, don't want to be under there. And they're just pressing in like sardines to get away from that, that spot, wherever it is. And all of a sudden, this guy comes lowered down on this pallet with, with these ropes and, and boop to the ground gently. Keep Mr. Jenkins happy. And so Jesus is just standing there and everybody else is probably thinking, what's he going to do? And I can imagine too that these four guys are up in this hole that they made looking down going, we did it, we got him there. Woo, yes. Now what's going to happen? I tell you what's going to happen. They expected this. They expected what happened to happen. And there is a big lesson in faith. What do we expect when we pray, when we believe, when we step out, when we go for it, when we start tearing that roof apart and, and making that space to lower our friend down, what are we really expecting to happen once he gets to Jesus? Man, it just comes a point in time where it's go time. And I believe with all my heart for many of you in this room and many that are watching right now and are, and are listening to this, I believe your go time is, is, is just sitting there waiting on you. I, I believe for many of you it's been there. I believe for, for numbers of you that, that that go time has just been kind of sitting and waiting and, and it's, it's, it's all up to you and you've been hesitating. Whatever it is in your life that the Lord has prompted you and saying, step out in faith and watch what I do. It's time. The time is now. And it was for them. And they went for it. And their expectation was that Jesus was going to show up and do a miracle in their friends' lives. <sighs> but a funny thing happens first. Jesus looks at him and basically says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Time out. Hold, hold up. Jesus, that, that's a good thing. But that's uh, really not what we were after here. 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure the four guys, they might have even been talking from the hole in the roof. You can, wait, wait, Jesus, uh, listen. Here's the thing about that. That was very challenging for everybody in this scenario. I mean, think about this. These theologians, they're thinking theology. They have come to hear who this guy is, what he believes, what he's teaching, and, and, and they kind of expected something like this. So then they were just sitting there with their arms folded up thinking about who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sin? Only God has the power. I can kind of hear them saying it like that for some reason. I don't know. Only God has the power to forgive sin. So he's kind of blowing them away. His buddies are up on top of the roof still thinking, man, wait a minute, this is not what we wanted and and all this is going on. And Maybe Jesus waits for a couple of minutes and then he addresses those theologians and he said, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Can you kind of imagine him back? Well, what do you mean? We're not thinking, we're thinking about lunch and a little bit. We're thinking about who's going to fix this roof. He's like, no, 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 no. I know what you're thinking. I know you're already accusing me of blasphemy by saying that, that I can forgive sin. So why are you thinking that? And then he asks this question, which is easier? To say to you, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you now, get up and take up your mat and go home. Man, he read those religious leaders their rights. He basically said, I don't care who you think I am. I am telling you right now who I am. And I am that I am has sent me. And I am, I am that I am. How about that? And you can question it. You can fight it. You can push back on it. You can do whatever you want to do. But it's not going to change. You can even put me on that cross and take my life, earthly life here. And it doesn't matter. It's not going to change the fact that I am God incarnate. And I am here to do everything that he has sent me to do. So, man, there's more to the story here than what we think is going on. Yeah, this guy, he's a part of the story who's paralyzed. But it runs a whole lot deeper, folks. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're not convinced of who God is, allow the Holy Spirit to introduce you to the real Jesus. The one who walked on water, the one who calmed the storm, the one who raised the dead, the one who gave blind their sight, the one who raised up paralyzed people, the one who overcame death, hell, and a grave. That's who Jesus is, God incarnate, the son of the living God, with all the power of heaven at his disposal. Boy. And then all of a sudden, immediately, this man feels warmth that probably starts from the center of his being works it way works his way down to the to his limbs and then he realizes something in his head i'm healed and i can only imagine him jumping up on his feet for the first time maybe ever and running and shouting and saying i'm healed i'm healed and grabbing up that mat that he's been laying that's been his home for so many years and running out praising god man you gotta love that and number five, please, please don't miss this. Back to the question of why 
did Jesus say your sins are forgiven? Why not your body is healed? Are you ready for the answer? I'm asking you that question. Here it is. Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? All right. You said you were, so here goes. You know, Jesus always gives us what we need, not always what we want. Always gives us what we need. This man needed, just like we do, to be forgiven of his sins. That's the greatest need. That was the message. That is part of the reason why Jesus said what he said. So that those theologians could hear it, so that everyone else could hear it, so that we could read of it here 2,000 plus years later in Belmont Connections Church on the first Sunday of November 2018 that Jesus has come to set us free, to, to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from every unrighteousness. It's the only time in all the Gospels that a sick man has ever been told his sins are forgiven him. Jesus chose that setting, that audience, to make that announcement. He had come to bring forgiveness to all of mankind. Number six, through the roof and out the door. That's what happened. This paralyzed man was lowered through the roof of the house into the room where Jesus was, Jesus forgave him, and he healed him, and he ran out the door, praising God. What a dramatic way to finish this testimony. Can you picture that in your your mind's eye right now? We probably all know someone who's bound to a wheelchair, who can't walk, who paralyzed or bedridden can you see them in your mind's eye getting up for the first time in years maybe in in their whole lives and running jumping and leaping and dancing and twirling and praising God through the roof and out the door now we know some of you are well pastor you know God doesn't always heal and and We know that the Apostle Paul suffered with some type of affliction and he prayed and asked God three different times and God would not remove that thorn in his flesh, yet he never gave up on God. But here's our assignment, if you will, as believers. And look at me and don't miss this. We are to always contend for the miraculous. We are always to believe God for everything that, that, that we need. We are always to call out to him in faith, believing and trusting in him because you never know when that miracle is gonna happen. You never know when he's gonna show up and do something profound in this manner. Never stop believing and calling on him. And the last thing I wanna share with you this morning is simply this. So what through the roof experience is waiting for you? And when it comes, will you go for it? What is it? Might be some ministry that God has been been pushing you towards, been calling you to. It, it might be some some move to walk across the street to a neighbor that you've had had contention with, and 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 just share the love of Christ and and ask for forgiveness. It, it might be that you're going to work tomorrow and you're gonna you're gonna share your faith with somebody that you've kind of tried to avoid. It, it, I don't know what it is. 
It might be a, a physical healing that needs to take place in your life or somebody else's. But here is what I do know. We all come to those moments in life. As believers in Christ, and if you're not a believer, it might be that God, I know it is that God is calling you to come and pick up your cross and follow him and allow the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit to just wash over you and change you for eternity. Whatever that moment is that is awaiting us, will we go for it? The Bible tells us in the book of Acts and beyond that the early Christians turned the world upside down as they shared Christ with others. They didn't have the many tools for evangelism that we have today, the literature, the video, the audio tapes, the radio, the the TV, the everything else that we've got, the media outlets, the, the big church buildings for evangelistic campaigns and any of that. They were creative by necessity. They didn't conclude that difficult circumstances and hard times and unfriendly political climate meant that that the timing was bad for bringing others to Christ. No, they never even considered that. If we had been the friends of that sin-sick, paralyzed man, would we have concluded that God had just closed this door and we showed up and, and everybody's mobbed around this house and you can't even get close to the door and we're not getting in, so guess what? Sorry, pal, we'll just have to cart you back home and, and maybe he'll come back through again another time and, and the conditions will be right. The conditions aren't always going to be just lined up perfectly for us. Many times we're going to have to push through the crowd like the woman with the issue of blood. She fought through the crowd and and she crawled on her hands and knees. And the Bible says she was able to just touch the bottom part of his robe, the hem of his garment at the bottom. These four friends loved their friends so much that they said we will not be stopped. The door is not closed just because you face adversity at times does not mean that God doesn't want this for you. So just give up. Maybe we would have concluded that the problems meant that it just wasn't God's timing and told our buddy he'll have to wait a little bit more. Or would we have been like the faithful four? Don't you love that? The faithful four who creatively engineered a way to get their hurting friend to Jesus. As you close your eyes for just a moment, I want to ask this question. What kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith do you have today? The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible also tells us that every person has been given a measure of faith. So here's the reality of that. Just like every one of us has been given a a bicep and a tricep and pecs and, and all these muscles that make up our body, It's what we choose to do with those things that's going to tell the story. Do we choose to to work on those things, to build strength in those muscles, to to work out and exercise and, and, and grow those things? Or do we choose to sit on the couch and keep eating Doritos and and, and the remote in hand and, and never moving and never working anything out, never exercising, never growing, and seeing those workout commercials come on TV and those infomercials saying, man, aren't those people lucky? No. They aren't lucky. They've worked their tails off to exercise and grow. And the same principle applies to the faith that God has given to each one of us. What are we doing with the faith that we have? Are we growing it into a force for the kingdom of God or just letting it lie dormant 
never working, never acting on it, never stepping out, never growing the faith. If you're in this room right now and your eyes are still closed for just another moment and you would say, you know what? Right now in this moment, I want to use my faith to put my complete trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I came into this room today or I'm I'm watching or listening right now and I, I don't have that relationship that I need with him. And I want to surrender my life to him right now. Would you just raise your hands across this room? And maybe you're watching or listening right now. Would you just raise your hand as well? I can't see it, but God sees it. How many of you would just say, today's my day to step out in faith, to believe for Jesus, to save my life? Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Those of you watching right now, thank you. Maybe you're in here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I've, I've got friends. <laughs> Some of them are in low places right now. And boy, they need a miracle. They need Jesus to touch them. And somebody's got to get them there. And I believe, I'm just crazy enough to believe after what we've just heard, that Jesus can use me in some way, shape, or form to get my friends and my family members, my co-workers, my classmates, the people I do life with, that Jesus can use me to be a part of that miracle. I'm believing that right now, and, and I'm asking God to strengthen my faith. Would you raise your hands across this room this morning? God's put it on your heart. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. How many others? Yes. 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 Matter of fact, just stand up. I, I can't keep up with the hands going up. If, you, if you're in here and God's putting that on your heart specifically and directly and powerfully not right now, would you just stand to your feet with all these others that are standing across the room? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but, but the Holy Spirit's speaking to your life about something in your life of getting a friend or family member or somebody to Jesus. And one last area I just want to ask, maybe you've been in here and you've kind of been sitting on the couch and your faith has not been worked and strengthened and grown and stretched and, and, and what it needs to be. But today, the Lord's quickened your heart and challenged you and said, the time is now to get up and go for it. Start peeling back on that roof and creating a hole and see what I can do. And if that's your life in this room right now, would you just stand to your feet with all these across the room as well and join them today in making a proclamation that something is going to change in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Anybody else? Just stand up right there. Yes. Thank you. The time is now to go for it. It's your time to go for it. It's your time to step out. And here's what I want to ask. is Pastor Scott, Pastor Terry, Joseph, some of you guys, Pastor Joseph, y'all, y'all come down and stand with me here. And every one of you that are standing right now, would you just come and line up across the front of this room? You're taking a step of faith right now. From where you're at, in front of your chair, you're coming down here. And everybody else, just stand to your feet as well across the the room. And and guys, would you guys just begin to pray and believe and make a point of contact with those that are coming now? Miss Angie, Julie, some of you ladies that want to come and pray over these folks as well. God is doing something powerfully life-changing. For those inside this room, listen to me and see it. you got to see it. And for those that are outside of this room, that God is sending you to, to be a friend who will grab a corner of their mat. Lord, we honor you today. We bless you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your anointing, for the power of the Holy Spirit that's come into this place. Even before we were here, you were here. 
Even before we drove onto this campus, God, you were here waiting for us to get here so that you could deposit yourself into us in a fresh new way today, God. We hear these stories. And God, we read about people of extreme faith who were daring and willing to step up and go beyond and above everything, Lord, that, that normal people do. And God, I just pray that you, you get rid of the normalcy in our lives, that normal way of thinking, that normal way of operating, that normal way of speaking, Lord. And you would transplant into us an extreme faith, a, a radical faith that's willing to go above and beyond. It's willing to climb up on a house with a friend that's willing to, to dig a hole through that roof and, and lower down whomever it is, God, to Jesus. To get them there, no matter what the cost. To get them there, no matter what the appearance. To get them there, no matter who's around to see it, God. It doesn't matter. What matters is people need you. We have you. You live in us. You're our king. And you've called us to go and give you to people. God, that's what every one of these, these folks in here and out there sensing and and receiving right now big faith extreme faith radical faith faith that just won't settle faith that'll crash through the quitting points faith that'll just keep pressing on and never give up and never surrender that kind of faith thank you Lord they're world changers right here in this room Thank you for that that one that raised a hand and said, I need Jesus to come into my heart today that you would come in and forgive them of his sins, God, as they pick up their cross and follow you and and join the ranks of Christian discipleship and and coming hard after our king and following you with our lives and surrendering everything we are to you, Jesus. Thank you for that today. Thank you for who you are, what you're doing. As you're gathered here praying and doing business with the king, we're going to worship God right now. As our team leads us this morning, would you just would you just go for it with everything you've got? Would you sing out and, and, and lift your hands and celebrate and honor him and pray and, and, and just worship your God today again?